This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 195. We are recording this on a Wednesday night, November the 30th. Hope all of you had a uh, great Thanksgiving holiday, ate a lot of food. And uh, hopefully none of you got stung by a bee like Will did. We'll uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, we are presented by Alaco Finewood Floors, though. Family-owned and operated for more than two decades, Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill, or you can call them at 615 615- Three five six zero three zero three, or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Finewood Floors, serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. All right, guys. Tennessee beats Vanderbilt 56 nothing. We're not going to harp too much on that game. Uh, vibes are not as high as they were last week, obviously. Uh, we will talk a little bit about that game, but most of this episode is going to be a season recap. Well, we did a season preview. We always do a season recap uh, for every sport. We'll give our final thoughts on the season, final grades. Uh, those are usually uh, pretty highly debated. I don't know how debated they will be in this episode. I think all three of us, uh, Will, Trevor, and I, will be fairly similar. I mean, we, we've agreed on a lot, uh, but we'll see. We'll see uh, coming up here at the end of this episode. But, guys, v- vibes are not super high. And uh, I'm glad we're recording on the Wednesday after after this game and not, like, Sunday or Monday because that might be a little bit uglier. Billy, I don't know. I don't know. I was kind of, uh, I I felt it. The universe, (laughs) the universe gave me a lot of signs uh, leading up to that Tennessee game as to what I was going to witness on the actual field at the 6.30 p.m. kickoff. I started off the day, Billy and Trevor, by getting blocked into my road by a train at 7 a.m. that proceeded to sit there for 40 minutes. Uh, then I made my way to the tailgate that I had spent the last two weeks with Jacob Scholl uh, and another one of our friends, Tyler Shanks, planning uh, a little bit late because of the train. Uh, about two hours in, people were just really starting to get there. I was having a good time eating, drinking. And uh, I went down, I was playing cornhole to take a sip of my drink and felt you know a little sting on my lip. And then it started to really burn and I was stung by a wasp. <laughs> uh, that was sitting in my drink. My lip started to swell up. It was enormous. Uh, there are pictures 
on my Twitter account, which I also wanted to get to to give a little recap into my recent history, which, uh, which is viral, currently right? temporarily, which is temporarily suspended uh, for God knows why. Thanks, Elon. Uh, so the universe just keeps whipping my ass and I'm just asking, please stop whatever I've done. I'm sorry. Uh, like I take it back and, uh, it's been a tough stretch for me, but there are a lot of omens going into that game on Saturday. Uh, and then it was a real drubbing, I think is the best term to use is Vanderbilt went out and got drubbed. Uh, there's no sugarcoating it. And also Will Byram is currently getting drubbed by life. So moving on to you, Trevor. <laughs> I mean, between Saturday and how uh, Vanderbilt basketball is playing, uh, life is kind of uh, kicking my ass as well right now. So I think, well, we're in the same boat right now. Um, Saturday, going into the game, I I wasn't hamming it up. I legitimately thought, I was like, I think Vanderbilt's going to win this ball game. The vibes in Vandyville were high. I was feeling good. Even after, like, the first possession, I was like, okay, like, it's going to happen. And then it just went bad. For, like, it just went from bad to worse. Um, we stayed the whole game. Oh, and I God. think it's symbolic. Oh. It, I think How did it's you symbolic do that? that I, you know what? <laughs> I, I, stayed, I, had a, I stayed through the third quarter, and that was bad enough. Yeah, I, I, made, it, I made it to halfway through the third. This is how bad it is. The Tennessee fans around us were like, wow. Like, they're like, honestly, guys, they're like, we're really shocked you're still here. And they were like, that's, These that's guys the thing were about like it. Sad Tennessee, for us. Tennessee fans were surprised by it. That's the thing about it. Yeah. It felt and weird like, because all why week are you would hear still. And I'm like, I well, don't know. Well, you have that. But also, <laughs> I, what I thought you were getting to is I, I think the results on the field, like it almost felt like in the stadium that Tennessee fans were surprised as Vanderbilt fans to witness what was happening out on the field. Because I, I know for me, it was almost like this numbness of like, this is not Very the numb, same yeah. team that we watched beat Florida and Kentucky. And and it I didn't totally predict win. Different. I predicted 38-24 Tennessee to win, but I never in my life expected this offense to just do nothing, to put up zero points against a team that just gave up over 60 points to South Carolina, who granted is playing very well right right now to end out the season and has a very talented quarterback in Spencer Rattler. But they gave up 60 points, 60, yeah. very recently, like the week before. And so anyone pointing to this team just being where they need to be I think this Tennessee game, while it isn't something to dwell on, they just got drubbed into the season. Rivalry game, Tennessee had something to prove. That's one side of it. The other side is just because you beat Florida and Kentucky, not everything is roses and You daisies. haven't arrived. Moving forward, you have no. a lot of holes in this team, in the secondary, uh, on offense, just lack of playmakers, lack of a consistent passing game. And right now, against a team like Tennessee – Zero points is just completely unacceptable when the team is just so awful in the secondary. This is not a good Tennessee defense that this offense struggled against and put up zero points like they did earlier in the season against Georgia. I mean, exactly. this is the UT secondary that we literally have made fun of this entire year, and this Vanderbilt offense looked decrepit and awful. Yeah, guys, I, it I was, was literally such a numbing moment. Yeah, I was optimistic all week. I mean, I really was. I mean, how, how could you not if you were a Vanderbilt fan? I know deep down there were probably a lot of fans that were optimistic on the surface, but 
you know, they know Tennessee's better. Uh, if Tennessee plays at their best, Vanderbilt doesn't play well. This could get ugly, and that's what happened. Tennessee played at their A game. Tennessee Vandy played at their their D game. That's what happened. And you know, I we didn't talk about this enough. Probably we, we probably should have. We were riding that high of back to back SEC wins, uh, and we just we wanted it. We wanted it so much. But at the same time, guys, these programs are in. You know, I think similar trajectories. They're both heading up, but Tennessee is a lot quicker heading heading uh, up than Vanderbilt is right now. Like Tennessee has, I mean, just lit a fire under their fan base. Vanderbilt slowly but surely, the two SEC wins, you know, made a little bit of a difference, but they're still not there up to the level of a Tennessee, a Georgia, or an Alabama. And it was bad timing, guys. I mean. Tennessee just got drubbed. They've heard all week that there's locker room issues. Jeremy Banks, you know, what's going on? No Hendon Hooker. But credit to Tennessee. I mean, I know we don't want to say it. We really don't. But give Tennessee credit in that coaching staff. That's the first thing Clark Lee said. Credit to Josh Heupel to have his team ready to go. He had them ready to play without their starting quarterback, without guys in the secondary, without receivers. So, uh, you know, I, I do think it was a lot of just Tennessee, man. I mean, they came out and, and just – buried Vanderbilt from from start to finish and Trevor I know you said you you still thought Vandy had a shot after that that high deep ball and scoring in like 40 seconds at that point I was like it doesn't feel good right now it's just one of those plays will we talk about it where you see it and it just it takes the life out of you as a fan and that was that was that type of play and that type of possession and the crowd I mean I didn't expect it to be that bad I knew there'd be more Tennessee fans in the building but it looked like 85, 90%, guys. I mean, it, that's that's what it looked it like. Did. That's what it sounded yeah. like. I said best case for Vanderbilt fans, it was 80% Tennessee. Worst case, it was 90% Tennessee. Probably it was 90. That 80, I think it was 85. Yeah. I think 85 if you went fan for fan because there was still the pocket that was about 80% Vanderbilt in the you know, friends and family area and in the donors. But I just have to get on a soapbox that's related to the fans in the stands. The tickets that are the chair back season tickets in the donor section, the Commodore Club section, or whatever the hell it's called, Vandy United I think I know section. Where you're going, now, go off. This this section, there should never be any fucking opponent's color in the very expensive chair back donor section that us poor lowly fans don't have access to, much less the color of the rival school during rivalry week. That is a very small section. The moment, I don't care how big of a donor it is, Candace Story Lee, you have the SEC revenue checks coming in that, that have been absolutely misused by this university for years and years and years and years and not reinvested into this athletics program. If people continue to give away those donor tickets to opposing fans, they don't get to have the fucking donor tickets on the season ticket side. That is a horrible, horrible look for the university to have the only portion of that stadium right now for Vanderbilt that should be 100% black and gold is those tickets right next to the recruits. And they can't even do that. So that is a place to start is those should never have an opposing fan base's colors or very, very, very minimal for very, very, very few exceptions. I don't know how you enforce it. This is a soapbox. I know other Vanderbilt fans feel that way. The Vanderbilt fans that gave away those tickets or sold those tickets, shame on you. That's that's absolutely awful. You are not a real fan if you sold those season tickets on the home side. Well, and this happens in every sport at Vanderbilt now, especially the past few years. It happens in baseball. It has some fucking uh, pride. Happens. 
in, in basketball. If it's, um, it's awful. That's the biggest problem with Vanderbilt athletics right now, guys. I mean, it, it, it really is. Yep. We talk about – I talk about this all the time. I, I try to harp on this. I say, you know, at Vanderbilt, it's not just win and they'll come. It's not. It, it, it's different at Vanderbilt. You know, we talk about it. Yes, if you win, you're gonna, you may not have as many orange-clad fans in that section, but no matter – you saw this when Franklin was going 9-4. and four. Tennessee fans still – now, not to this extent, you didn't see it, but this has been an issue these past few years, and it's always been an issue, but it, it's getting worse. It, it's getting worse, guys, and it, it, there has to come a point where the athletic department does something. I don't, I don't well, know. Well, the issue, what the, it women, is. yes. the women, it stops thing for me is like it's it's more than just going nine and four for two seasons and going to th- or going to three straight bowl games. The win and they will come is like doing it for ten years and building a fan base. That is what Vanderbilt has never done, and that's why they are where they are right now. They've never had a stretch where this team has been good for someone's entire childhood. And, and that's how you build a fan base is you get fans by being relevant and being good for an extended period of time. And they've only done it for three max four or five year stretches at most ever. So, the, you know, this isn't something that gets fixed in having, you know, year three and year four for Clark Lee be six and six and then seven and five and then eight and four the next year. That's not going to get it done. The win and they come is 10 plus years down the road, but there are definitely things that can be done now to help out the optics. Right. And that's one thing is that Vanderbilt has always been very blind to the optics. And I think Candace Storyly is less blind, but I think that she still has some blind spots. Yeah. I don't even think that it's, I think that it is being blind. I also think, and I do, I, I'm very pro Candace. But I also think at the end of the day, too, a lot of it is like a lack of caring. I think if you just want to – and that's that's yeah. been the story of Vanderbilt Athletics is just like at the end of the day, they don't care. I think in – granted, I, I get that in a public health emergency with COVID, students coming back, you don't want to cause a big outbreak. But like last year with the basketball games, that was a travesty. And like you talk it was about a joke. having – it was you talk about having fans in seabacks at football games, having Tennessee fans sitting with the floor at their chin in the student section because you won't let them back into games is insane. Like, and that's just another thing. Like, at the end of the day, it's in Vanderbilt fans, Vanderbilt fans want to support the like athletic department, they want to support the brass there. I really think they do. And, but years and years and years of fans getting disrespected, like real diehards like us getting disrespected and giving hundreds, giving all that you have financially. Some, I'm sure some of these people can't even really afford to give to the National Commodore Club, but they give their $10 because they love Vanderbilt Athletics that right. much. And you don't do anything that you send them. What do you send them? You send them a, a, a car decal. They don't we don't care about that. We want legitimate change to where these things don't happen. And yeah, I get like with the, with the locker room renovations, um, I'm glad that they're happening, but like, also like these should have happened uh, 10 years ago at that. Like, I mean, my God, they, I don't think we're, they had air we are just for a being while ago. treated like a normal fan base deserves to 
be treated or not even deserves. And, I, yes. hate, I hate the term deserves, but just like how a normal fan base is treated by an athletic department. That Let this is it. Like just, department. We, yeah, this is just even not I would just consider this what we have seen out of the Vanderbilt Athletic Department and what we have praised has been simply an average power five athletic department becoming average. And and I think that's where you can get stuck is just announcing these plans, you know, renovating the locker room and renovating these areas is is it's great, but it's what should have been done a decade ago. And you're right, just yeah. getting around to it. And just because you're catching up or kind of catching up from where you had fallen so far behind, as you're catching up, you're actively falling behind because mm-hmm. these other departments are continuing to improve at an even more rapid exponential pace than they have been. So it, we just need to keep in mind that what Vanderbilt is doing is good. It's not great. Uh, right. and, and that's just keeping keeping that going and keeping this mo- momentum, quote unquote, as, as yeah. we talk about the bad stuff that's happening, but keep the momentum going. Yeah, and guys, mm-hmm. Vandy, Vandy's probably realistically eight to ten years behind the the rest of the SEC right now in terms of facilities, uh, you know, initiatives, whatever you want to say. I mean, that, that's, I think that's, that might be generous too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it might be. I think that longer. might be really generous. <laughs> but guys, positive news. Vanderbilt has cut the VCU lead to sixty-one to sixty late in this game, so hopefully we get something You're way positive. Ahead of me. Yeah, sixty-one to fifty-six on my screen. So. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think also don't want just... to change it, but that te- that technical on Liam was bogus. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see. Oh that. my gosh, it was. You're gonna get me off track. <laughs> so soft. Well, we will uh, continue the Vanderbilt football discussion. Uh, before we do that, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the Vanderbilt football season recap. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flowing job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. A Laco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, guys, I think we got most of our Tennessee thoughts out of the way. Uh, there's really not much else uh, to say about that one. Uh, so, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be a lot, probably a lot of rambling, but I, I want to keep it somewhat structured. We'll save our final grades uh, for the last few minutes of this this episode, but I want to start, guys, by what we were most surprised by this year because, I mean, I think this needs to be a podcast where we, we talk about the positives of this season, even though it's hard at this point to do that. This team went 5-7. and seven. They, they won two SEC games. Uh, I mean, yes, it's hard to do this right now, but I think if you take a an overall bird's eye view approach and look at this season, you know, I, I have to call it a success because I thought it would be three wins, maybe four. Um, so I think from an from an overall bird's eye view approach, as tough as that is to say, you played arguably the toughest schedule in the country. <laughs> I mean, you played Ole Miss, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina. Tennessee, like I, it's it's hard to Wake pinpoint Forest. ranked Kentucky team, right? Wake Forest, yeah, ranked Kentucky, <laughs> a, a Florida team that is going bowling, a Missouri team that's going bowling, 
a really good Elon team. Can't forget about them. I think they won eight games. So Elon, they went to the they went to their playoffs. Yeah, so in Hawaii, won three games. Um, but no, guys, I think <laughs> I think you look at the schedule and you say, man, they got five wins out of this. It's a pretty damn good job. That, that's a that's a that's a pretty damn good season for Vanderbilt standards in year two of Clark Lee. Now, there's a lot to talk about in terms of the steps this team needs to make still, this program needs to take. And I do want to get into that, guys. I want to get into the transfer portal, uh, you know, recruits, uh, just things like that. But from this season, guys, I, I was just I was most surprised by the resolve. The the resolve and the mental toughness of this team. I mean I I I, w- I swore to myself, Vandy wasn't going to win another game after that South Carolina debacle. I mean, South Carolina that looks like a quote unquote good loss at this point. But in the moment, you know that was a team Vandy could beat, and they Vanderbilt Barton Simmons said this. He said we're better than this team. We can beat this team, and and you know you can look at and say South Carolina is probably a better team at least at this point. But you know Vanderbilt could have won that game. Went poorly. Clark Lee's being hammered by reporters about the Dan Jackson situation, um, and it just it's just bad vibes. But they stay in the fight, and you beat Kentucky on the road. You come you come back, and you beat Florida at home. And the, all of a sudden, this Tennessee game, even though you lost fifty six nothing, the lead up isn't just miserable. It's not misery. So, guys, I, I look at just the mental toughness, the resolve, and the step this program made because. You look back at last season, guys, I would have never said this team could win five games. I would have said maybe, maybe, that, like, but that would have been such a stretch to say for me. Uh, so, guys, I'll just say the resolve and the mental toughness and the maturity. There's there's still a long way to go. We, we know that, a long way to go. Um, but I, I just think they took a bigger step than I expected, and, and, and I, you know, I think you guys agree on that. Yeah, I mean, the, the easy part of, I think, this season recap is if we're doing a pass-fail or a success-fail, this season was undeniably a success. And it, it's weird to say when you're looking at this team that on this recap, I'm going to be evaluating this season as a success because of the wins, because of the win total, the absolute opposite of how we evaluated this team. As we said all year, we weren't judging based on wins and losses. But there are a lot of things statistically from year one to year two to be negative about uh, on this team. And if they don't beat Kentucky and Florida and lose tight games to Kentucky and Florida, we're sitting here at three and nine. uh, And this is a much more negative season recap. But exactly the all that matters in the end, bird's eye view, is wins and losses. And, And the fact that I'm saying that this evaluation is going to be in, in that hue that we're judging based on the wins and losses, that's a step forward. Right. That's progress. This team did it. They did the thing that wasn't supposed to happen until year three. And I think the real story of this year is just inconsistency. Uh, and, and that's going to be a lot of what I'm going to be touching on in, in a lot of my key takeaways from the whole season is just from one week to the next, it was hard to evaluate this Vanderbilt team and it was hard to evaluate them going into the season. Vegas, is a great example of what we saw being kind of off from week to week and very different teams rolling out week to week. And a lot of that's youth and changing pieces, but this team's over under on wins. Like I've said, two and a half, they got five. And the crazier part of that is against the Vegas odds. This team was five and seven. They actually had a losing record against the spread uh, this season. Uh, I had it written down in my spreadsheet that I now can't pull up because my laptop can't run zoom. 
uh, and excel at the same time. Woohoo. But th- they were five and seven against the spread. But Vegas going into this season missed the win total by double. I mean, they were completely off on how this Vanderbilt team was going to be. So Vegas corrected and then kept over correcting week to week as the season went on. Very hard to predict this Vanderbilt team. And a lot of that has to do with they were blown out 50 in the 50s to in the zero or three points a lot against Georgia, Bama, and Tennessee. And a good program doesn't get beaten like that three times in a season. So there's a lot of things to work on, but it's great to be sitting here at the end of the season with a higher win total than any of us expected. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I think, I mean, I, I've, I've harped on it a little bit, but I thought going into the season, I thought my thing was if Vanderbilt can get three out of conference wins and an SEC win, I would personally consider this a season of success. They got three uh, non-conference wins and they got two conference wins. So by my definition, that was a success. Um, I think there were a lot of things to be really um, excited about, particularly um, going into the season. Um, we thought the offensive line was going to be a weakness. Um, I think I think one of the big storylines of this season is yeah. the offensive line that we thought was going to be a weakness. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would call it a strength, but they were a lot better than not just people projected, but even like the fans thought. Um, Another thing, I think <clears throat> I think you saw a lot of growth from Clark, uh, particularly with the quarterback situation. Um, during that Wake Forest game, whenever they pulled Mike and put AJ in, I thought, oh, my God. I legitimately was like, oh, my God, we're about to have another um, uh, Johnny McCreary, Pat and Robinette, Stephen Rivers situation, and it's, it's going to be a nightmare. But, <laughs> I mean, kudos to Clark. He, he stuck to his guns, and AJ was the guy, and so, unfortunately, he got hurt. Um, and if AJ had never gotten hurt, you would have seen AJ finish out the season. Um, those are tough decisions to make. Kudos to him. Um, obviously, you thought the secondary was going to take a step forward this year. Uh, they, in fact, did not. Um, if anything, they took a step back, I yeah. think. Um, the defense got worse in almost every statistical category this season. Yes, and that's what I was getting at. And, and I didn't yeah. know how we were going to do this. We we're going to do key points. But the defense didn't improve at all. The offense got better. No. Uh, but contrary to, I think, what most people would think with how the season ended and and how it felt. I mean, when how it felt is that the run defense improved a lot. And the defense overall was going to bear out at the end of the year stats that they improved a little bit overall. But when I went back through and compared to the previous season and looked at it, they just didn't. And then really going no. back and looking at the season as a whole – especially in that secondary, that's the spot that if they, you know, hadn't won the the Kentucky and the Florida game, we'd be looking at and saying, this is a real, real issue that we didn't see an improvement. Yeah. Whatsoever. And it's, it's crazy. Exactly. It's crazy talking about this defense guys, because down the stretch, you know, I, I think we were high on this defense at certain points in, in games and in, in this season. Yeah. So it's, it's just weird because, you know, they would show up for, a drive and, 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 you know, cause a turnover. Um, and, and you would be like, man, this defense, they're legit. They've got the dog in them. Like we've talked about will, but, and then you'd, you'd see a drive like, you know, a, a couple of the Ole Miss deep balls where it's a two play drive or, you know, Tennessee where it's a, a 50 second drive where they just look like there was nobody out there, you know, they were playing against air. So it, it's, it's been weird. I, I, they did take a step 
back, I would say. And I, I think not having mentor, it's just weird talking about it because, you know, you saw moments of, okay, maybe they're taking that step in maturity, but at the same time, it's like statistically they're worse. So I'm, I'm yeah. in a brain conundrum here with this defense guy. Well, the brain I conundrum totally is like, it's the waves of this season. I mean, they inconsistent. Gave up, they, yep. They gave up points in the mid fifties yeah. three times. So that's going to skew your points quite a bit, but they had a three game stretch or a, mm-hmm. it was it a three game stretch. I don't, I don't really know at this point, it's all kind of jumbling together, but they played well, very, very well in the Kentucky game played pretty well slash very well in the Florida game and also played pretty well slash very well in the Missouri game. Yeah. And those were three SEC games that that defense came to play and really dominated the game. They were better than the opponent's defense. And that's how Vanderbilt won the game. Then the offense capitalized on the field position provided and the game flow provided and opportunities by that defense. But then they have other, other stretches like in the, South Carolina game where it just felt like they were switching. I mean, they no. they couldn't. Every player on South Carolina's team was slippery. There were holes in every single coverage that Vanderbilt had. Guys were just getting run by in that secondary. So I think it all comes English back galore. to inconsistency. And it's like what we said, Billy. I, I want to go back, Trevor. What wasn't with us in our season preview, but we talked about this team that it was going to be young, and that yeah. there were a lot of pieces that needed development. And you, you were, were going to see flashes. flashes. You're going to see flashes of an SEC team of this team. And we did. Mm -hmm. And it's just this team put it together into full games. And I think that's what we didn't expect was a full game and multiple full games against SEC opponents like we saw in the Florida Kentucky game. It's just then you saw full games and halves like against Ole Miss where you saw a completely different team in the first quarter and a half. And then really talent just took over just overall team talent on that roster. So you're seeing flashes. And I think just seeing yeah. flashes is like having hope is saying there is something here that there's something to build on. And I think that's the biggest thing is you were really floundering after an 0 and 9 season, literally having to forfeit your last game. There was nothing to build on when Clark Lee got here. There was barely anything to build on uh, after his first season as the head coach. There's something to build on this offseason. Yeah. He has something to recruit with now and something to tell these guys in the locker room, there's success to be had uh, on here, even though there are clearly issues. Let, let me yeah. ask you guys this. I saw a tweet. I think you guys probably saw it too. Um, and oh. it was it was a tweet from this 24-7 sports guy saying, oh, uh, what a, what a turnaround from Clark Lee. Stanford needs to hire that guy. It was a ridiculous <laughs> tweet, but he said the word turnaround. He said Clark Lee has, has turned around this Vanderbilt program, and – you know, I hadn't really thought of that. I, I, I kind of thought to myself, I said, well, I mean, with where they were last year, I guess you could say that. But I don't want – I still want to want to talk from the perspective of they haven't arrived yet. They haven't, they haven't quite gained enough respect from other SEC teams. I know you beat Kentucky and Florida, but it's going to take a couple – more years of of a season like this but better than this like you have to you can't go backwards next year you know and you know maybe you have a similar win total but I think bowl eligibility that would be another step so I don't I don't know what do y'all think about that word turnaround has Clark Lee turned around Vanderbilt football I think going off I think even going off what Will said at the sort of bringing that bring in that tweet to where the guy suggested Clark Lee to Stanford and suggested it's a turnaround. I think what Will brought up was a good point that you guys brought up in your season preview is that on the team, 
we did see flashes of real talent. And Will said that's what makes you hopeful. And I totally agree. But I also think that's what makes this season such a frustration is because last year and in 2020, um, Vanderbilt just didn't have the athletes. Everybody knows that. So whenever you get blown out and whenever you get bullied, I feel like it's a little bit easier to take because you're like, yeah, like, I mean, what are you going to do? But whenever you're watching games and you see guys like C.J. Taylor make a play, you see someone like Will Shepard make a catch. You see someone with speed like Jaden McGowan that we haven't seen in a long time. And, like, you sort of get that taste. And then they just can't put it all together, which is not their fault. I mean, it's it's an, it's an a it's a pretty incomplete team top to bottom. But whenever you get that taste, you get so frustrated because you're like – you almost – you feel like you're getting close and you're like, God, but then you realize you're just not there yet. And I think that was a perfect summation of the Tennessee game is, I mean, Jesus Christ, I was drinking the juice like nobody's business. I I thought we were going to beat Tennessee and they just come in and you just get reminded that you're not See, there that, yet. That's the difference. The fact that we're, you know, we're not just idiots here thinking Vanderbilt should have competed with Tennessee. Like, I, I don't think that's, that's the situation now. We look no. like idiots after the game, but – I think the fact that we were even talking about that Tennessee game the way we were, yeah, we're a Vandy podcast, but we're not, you know, we wouldn't have been Kirk talking Street about predicted, it. Predicted Vanderbilt to beat Tennessee on ESPN. That's, that's right. not a like, guy. This is Josh with ties. 24-7 said, Tennessee, watch out. I think Vanderbilt could outright. They were on play. upset alert. But, right. Billy, yes. this, is, this is a question for you. You've been posing questions. I have an interesting one related to this of, of having that national hype and, and the turnaround question. Is so when venture capital funds get investors, they have Series A, Series B, and when they are initially valuated, let's say they're at a hundred million dollar valuation, okay, they have to live up to that, and you then can't in your Series B or Series C be an eighty million or fifty million dollar valuation. It can only go up. So if you're overvaluated, you see it a lot, and it will greatly devalue your company. If then you try to go out and get investments at a lower valuation for your company, similarly. To Vanderbilt at five wins, kind of a higher win total than expected nationally. That's going to perceive, be perceived that this program has taken a real step forward. So you can't go down from that. You can't have a four win season. Now five wins is the minimum for this team next season. There's no, there's and no, that's the room. added challenge. That yes. is the pressure. Yes. And that's what, which Vanderbilt isn't a bad done. thing. It's a good, Right. It's not a bad thing, but you have created expectations for the first time. I think a year yep. earlier, we are going to be talking about this Vanderbilt football team going into year three for Clark Lee with expectations. And, and that is – there is something to be said for that that I don't think they've turned around the program. But, I mean, there's something to be said for expectations. Though. And let I me totally say, agree. Yeah, I agree 100%. Let me say this too, guys. I've seen a little bit of this on Twitter the last several weeks as Vandy, you know, got these back-to-back SEC wins, I saw some, you know, I don't know that this offseason is going to tell me the story for, for Clark Lee right now and, and you know, who stays, who who does he bring in. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not in a wait-and-see anymore. I I know what I need to know right now about this program. They went 5-7 and seven in a season where most people expected them to get three, probably three, maybe four. So, I'm not looking at this saying, I need to wait and see, you know, who does Shepard leave? Does CJ Taylor leave? I, I'm not, I, I, I was really sick of a lot of that these past couple of weeks. I got sick of it because you look at, if you're a Vanderbilt fan, what, what more do you need to see? 
I mean, watch this team win two SEC games. Like, yes, I know there could be movement this offseason. There could be guys that we lose. You could have a a recruit you miss on. But what the hell else do you need to see if you're a Vanderbilt fan? James Franklin, I need to find it. I cannot find it. It's the lost video archive. It used to be on my parents' DVR. There is an interview of James Franklin. I think it's on SEC Network, and he gets asked, if he is leaving Vanderbilt and he literally says, absolutely not. I want to be buried right underneath this field. Yep. That Billy, that right there, Vanderbilt fan, the Vanderbilt fans have trust issues. It is like we're the boyfriend or girlfriend that has been cheated on 10 times in long-term relationships because whatever is viewed as things are going well, things are going great something is the other shoe is going to drop the other piece of info is going to come out the the bigger program is going to poach your star player or whatever it is the injury is going to happen and I think that's what you're feeling is you feel positive momentum you feel expectations being set but Vanderbilt fans are sitting here like all right when's the bad thing gonna happen when's the part that we're in uncharted waters and this just isn't where we belong when is that going to smack us back down to earth and i don't think the 56 to nothing lost tennessee does that so i think vanderbilt Mm -hmm. fans are sitting there like okay there's still a lot of positive momentum here which star player is going to get plucked from the roster when is you know obviously i i fully believe that clark lee's not going anywhere if clark lee leaves for a different job i'm done right i yeah that's that's the another thing what you're saying that's a i'm confident that clark lee's not going but the star player thing i think people were looking for something like in the CJ Taylor tweet where he said, thanks for the memories. I don't think he meant that how it was taken. And he tweeted, he said, don't look too far into it. Yeah. I think, I don't think it was a well-phrased tweet, but Vanderbilt fans, that scared the hell out of them. Yeah. The CJ Taylor, the guy on defense that looks like he's going to be a type of player that we have never seen uh, ever. I mean, that's what CJ Taylor, I believe has potential to be. Uh, And this Vanderbilt defense has had some very, talented guys so that's that's what Vanderbilt fans are sitting here like it's just too good to be true you know to be to be a program on the rise it's just it's not supposed to happen to us well and two like I don't want to say this thing as a this what you just said is like a uniquely Vanderbilt thing but like what you brought up with James Franklin like oh I want to be buried under Vanderbilt Stadium this even happened to our parents in the 90s with Jerry DiNardo yeah who had like a Vanderbilt team on the rise and then just freaking up and left I remember my I remember talking to my grandmother one time. My how my dad got into Vanderbilt athletics is my grandmother was a big Vandy fan. She always used to tell me about this little Jerry Donardo pin that she had that said Jerry Donardo <laughs> for president. She said the moment she left, she snapped it. So like this is like this isn't just like a people our age thing. This is like it's almost like rooted into the Vanderbilt fan psyche to where you're like, you get that little like taste and you're like, <laughs> oh God. This is too good to be true. The the thing is, like, most people would think we're being negative. And most people would say we're being, you know, pessimistic. But truly, this is is uniquely Vanderbilt and maybe, like, Rutgers possibly. But, like, we've never been wrong. Like, never has it worked out. That's the thing is you can't really point to anything and say, well, in this situation, you're just kind of being a biased fan. I'm like, no, it's literally never worked out. 
The cold never breaks in Vanderbilt's favor. The wins mm-hmm. never happen. It just never happens that way. The injury always happens in whatever sport it is, which what is what makes Tim Corbin and that baseball program so special. That's separated yeah. out. We're not, they're not included here, but it's what also made the 2012 SEC championship in men's basketball so special. It's kind of the oh, only thing, God. the only thing you can point to in Vanderbilt athletics, major athletics that, outside that still of the baseball doesn't, that program. That didn't feel real. That, that, that still is like, that has kept us alive. I mean, as Vanderbilt fans, that's the only tangible piece of success SEC that respect. Vanderbilt men's basketball or mm-hmm. football have had is the men's basketball SEC tournament championship in 2012 with that beautiful, beautiful team. Yeah, guys, I'll, I'll say this too, and we'll get more on this season, but for me, Clark Lee, and I think all you guys agree, all you guys, you two, um, and most fans I think listening would agree with me right now, but Clark Lee, after that Kentucky game, the emotions that he poured out, it almost like it hit me. It hit me not just at the surface. It was like, we haven't felt this from a from a coach really in any sport. That type of emotion and that type of just dedicate. I mean, he was pouring it out, guys. He knew they needed that win and they got it. They got the win. So for me, it was like, man, like I he's not leaving. I mean, he, this no. guy, and and I know we all agree, but that's the difference for me. Well, you talk about eyes, he felt how I felt. That's that's all. <laughs> that's the yeah. difference. Like, I, that's that, what I saw. Yeah. In his eyes. Clark Lee. That's the mm-hmm. difference, guys. Clark Lee was a Vandy fan growing up. He he's from Nashville. He played at Vandy. He went to NBA, a, a school that like CPA it, it breeds Vanderbilt athletes, student athletes. So it's it's in him. The pain that we have suffered is in him as well. It, it's rooted yes. in him, Trevor, like you talked about. So, yeah, um, that I think that's the difference. And, and you know, I think you guys agree. It, and I know the James Franklin, you know, the the depths of the of hell that we talk about it is always there of, man, what if what if, you know, a, a job like Stanford comes knocking? I know he's not leaving for Stanford, but that's always there. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't. We, we need to, as Vanderbilt fans, get away from that somehow. I know it, in football, especially it's almost impossible to do that, but mm-hmm. uh, but guys, let, let's let's talk. I, so surprises, we we got to our surprises. Now I want to get to where does this team go from here? What do they improve on? What does this team have to do to get better to take that next step? Obviously, bringing in talent in the recruiting class, bringing in talent in the transfer portal. Guys, for me, this team at the line of scrimmage. Just ha- you, you got to get bigger. I think that's the most important thing for me because if you look at it, you've got your quarterback. If Ray Davis comes back, I know you had the, the Ray Davis tweet, Trevor, a couple days ago. I need to know the status of Ray Davis Jesus. right now. I'm, I almost <laughs> just might DM him. It's super disrespectful, <laughs> but I almost be like, dude, just tell me, please. It's like to a recruit. Hey, how do you like Vandy? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, guys, I, I think the trenches. You know, that's the most important thing because you're not going to beat a Georgia or even come close to beating a Georgia and Alabama, a Tennessee, hell, even Ole Miss. I know that was more of a defensive, like DB secondary type game where Ole Miss just, you know, just lit us up in the second half. But I think Tennessee beat Vanderbilt up in the trenches at at the line of scrimmage. I mean, they ran over. Vandy and so guys I, I think you know I'm not surprised that, that I'm I'm saying this at the end of the season yes you got to five wins and you found found a way but in no way shape or form 
did you dominate at the line of scrimmage in those wins? You, you were not – now, the O-line, you could argue, you know, they played really well against Kentucky, but, guys, that defense, man, they, they stepped up in those games. Special teams, too. But I'm looking for that offensive FU mentality where you do bully people. You start to bully a team like Mizzou or a Kentucky or even, you know, a South Carolina maybe down the road. Those lower-tier SEC teams, that's where you've really taken a, a, a step to impress that average SEC fan where I think right now guys SEC fans yeah that's that they're still that's cute Vandy you know that that's cool you know nice little two game winning streak Tennessee brought you back down to life I think there's there's a there is a level of respect by, right now but to make it you know real real and tangible respect from SEC fans you got to start finding ways to dominate in the trenches and it starts obviously with those lower tier SEC teams so for me guys it starts at that defensive line. They'll they'll have more depth next year. You get Miles Capers back. Um, Davion Davis should be back. I mean, guys, you start to look at the guys that are coming back most likely next year. It's kind of crazy to think about. I mean, you could arguably have every skill player back um, on, on the offensive side. I mean, other than the tight ends, but let's face it, the tight ends weren't really threats. Like, you might have every offensive threat back, and and that's crazy to talk about defensively. C.J. Taylor's probably back. Anthony Orgy, if he doesn't have a, a good uh, draft interview, draft stock, whatever you want to, you know, if he doesn't hear what he wants to hear from NFL draft experts or whoever he talks to, he could be back. I I, I really do think so. Um, and and so you you start talking and thinking about guys that okay maybe he comes back, you know maybe maybe Caleb Mahoney comes back. already so, said he's Mahoney's back. already back. Yeah. Right, Mahoney's already back. So guys, I just look at. There's a lot still to happen, and I think in two weeks two weeks from now, we may be talking a little bit differently with guys that maybe have left, guys that have come in, guys have decided to to stay. But for me, it, it starts with the, the work in the trenches. The offensive line improved. There's still you know, another step to be made, and there's guys that will be back again on the offensive line. I mean, there's going to be guys returning on, on the D-line as well. So for me, it's the trenches. Um, and guys, let's face it, A.J. Swan – I think we're fine at the quarterback position. Like that is that's so important to say we're fine at the quarterback position. I mean that that's huge, guys. I mean, I don't know that I expected to be saying that in year one after that ETSU loss. Where the hell are we going to go at quarterback next year? I mean, you know. So and then Swan comes in. So I think it is reassuring to say we're good at quarterback and we're good at most of the skill positions. But trenches, guys, I still look at that and say you've got to get. You know, you've got to take a lot more steps there as opposed to skill players and then secondary and things like that. Yeah, trenches, it all starts there because if the offensive and defensive lines can't do anything, then it's all over. So that that one, Billy, I mean, you hit on that already so I can get to everything else, is kind of similarly is none of this matters if the secondary doesn't improve. This is a, this is an, a historically bad Vanderbilt secondary, and they were even worse this season. Now, they played some very, very talented offenses with very, very talented quarterbacks. They played quite a few NFL-level quarterbacks this season uh, with very talented receivers, but they gave up what was it? Uh, I don't have the stats right in front of me. They gave up like 360 passing yards per game, uh, which is up like a few yards from last season, but it was basically equivalent. And Mahoney was really the only spot that I would say from that secondary group that was pretty reliable. 
Yeah, reliable. Thank you for that great word, Billy, as I'm trying to pull up the stats. But they gave up 290 passing yards per game. I think that's like 120th or 114th, somewhere in the country. Uh, So that's really also where it needs to improve. You saw their wins come against teams that struggled in the passing game. Florida, Kentucky, they played Missouri a tight game. They got blown out of the water. Uh, by a Wake Forest team that turned out to be a good team, not as good as we thought they were uh, at the time Vanderbilt played against them. Uh, And then Tennessee, even with their backup quarterback coming off a disappointing loss, with an offense that is pass-heavy and is quick-hit heavy, Vanderbilt's athletes in the secondary and depth just couldn't hold up. So there is a lot of improvement to be had in the secondary. I think that's another part of this is it was so bad you look at it and say, if this secondary could have even been decent, then this defense could have statistically been pretty pretty good last season. Now, you also look on the offensive side of the ball. You have Will Shepard uh, as an explosive playmaker. Ray Davis, I think, in this recap slash preview of next season, early preview, I'm going to look at him as back. Uh, you have Patrick Smith, so you have talented, experienced running backs back there uh, with some young guys behind him. You lose the tight ends. But the development and continued development of Quincy Skinner Jr., Gamarion Carter, uh, I'm forgetting names, but Jalen Mahoney, not Jalen Mahoney, Jaden McGowan, uh, continuing to have those guys be consistent and consistently make plays. I keep using the word consistent because we saw none of that from this Vanderbilt offense the entire season. It doesn't matter from top to bottom. The only guy that we saw on that field that was consistent week in, week out was Ray Davis. So I'm really praying he is back because he was consistently good and got better as this season went on. But even Will Shepard at times would just disappear or look kind of uninvolved slash disinterested. He had bad fumbles, even though next season Will Shepard could be the closest thing to unstoppable uh, that that is possible at the receiver position at Vanderbilt. I mean, I, I don't want to say anything negative against Jordan Matthews and Earl Bennett. They were they're the two SEC all-times receptions leaders and they were the best receivers in the history of Vanderbilt football. However, there's a reason they weren't first round draft picks, all right? There's a reason their NFL careers weren't incredible successes because they were very 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 great college receivers, but they were not NFL type type receivers. Vanderbilt just hasn't seen that. Will Shepard is that. He could be a different type the of rare breed we've never seen. However, mm-hmm. none of that is going to come to fruition if Quincy Skinner Jr. and Jaden McGowan and Gamarion Carter develop. can't develop and get open against one-on-one coverage and not allow opponents to just completely bracket Shepard on single-side coverage. That's going to be the difference in this offense. And you said we're set at the quarterback position. I do agree you know who the starter is going to be, but A.J. Swan has a lot to prove. Uh, and a lot of this offense, especially when you don't have a running quarterback, we're going to see what A.J. Swan has. We haven't seen him against uh, lesser opponents early in the year, really. Uh, we saw him what he could do against NIU. I think it's going to be really good to see him as the day one starter, getting all those reps yep. throughout camp with the number ones, mm-hmm. and then getting some warm-up games. I, I won't ever call them true warm-up games or gimme games uh, at the beginning Alabama of the year. Alabama A&M. That, That early (laughs) schedule next season for Vanderbilt is friendly, I will say. Even the SEC Mm -hmm. games that they play early in the year are friendly, that first six games of that schedule. So getting him reps early and getting him in sync 
uh, before he hits the gauntlet in the SEC later on. But the schedule is a little more forgiving for Vanderbilt next year. So a lot of these things early will get to be worked out. We'll see what this team has, but the secondary, Billy and Trevor. I mean, I expected a little bit of improvement this season, and it got worse. Now, yeah, granted, that I was agree. staying in games. Like, now, this is the weird part of the stats. I like is I also want to add the caveat of teams had to throw more because Vanderbilt was able to remain in games because their offense improved. So maybe it, it, it wasn't like they got worse but a lot of it was skewed because last year Vanderbilt just got blown out in so many games that a lot of those yeah. late stats towards the running game. So I want to add that in there as well. Exactly. I think, yeah, I mean, the, the most glaring one is is the secondary. I think you ha- I think in the portal particularly, you're going to have to address something in safety. Um, I think Dericky Wright is really talented, but I think if you can get a safety, I think you can probably move someone like him back to a true linebacker position instead of that, like, star anchor kind of hybrid um i'll also say um one of you guys brought up miles capers miles capers yep vanderbilt fans he's he's the future is bright with capers and taylor and a goo and a goo is davis back like davis Davis is eligible because that is he was arguably like the best he was your best defensive player uh last season and he didn't play at all this year but you were missing your best defensive player him and orgy were the two mainstays of that defense that were making play he was a complete disruptor and Vanderbilt didn't even see him all year on that defensive line exactly but no yeah Vanderbilt fans next year enjoy it because you're gonna see some legitimate real talent uh between those three um that's something that's I think I think with uh with Darren I think you saw I'm really excited to see how he progresses because granted it didn't show up in the sacks, but if you watched him, there were times that you're like, man, he can, he can get around. And I think. He I don't want to like one of those it. freaks. He looks like one of those. Yeah, freaks he looks that like every he, other SEC team has. Yeah. It's like, we have one. Finally. He, look, he looks and like, <laughs> he looks like, like, like an immature like freak at least physically like he can get like, even bigger. like what yes. Clowney looked like now there are a lot of guys yes. that come in looking like they could end up looking like that and don't like that's what like Clowney looked like as a Clowney freshman in like, South Carolina yeah, as an absolute yes. freak just physical freak and I don't want to like harp on the whole hope thing again I know we got that over with but I think particularly with Darren whenever I started to get a little bit of like legitimate hope about this class or about Clark Lee and the staff and the state of the program is whenever he flipped from Notre Dame. Yes. And then close to signing day, Josh Heupel in Tennessee came made after a him. Yep. Hell of a push on him. And he said no to Notre Dame. He said no to Tennessee. I want to go to Vanderbilt. That's whenever I was like, oh. Well, Vanderbilt they, just flipped an ESPN 300 athlete who was a Mississippi, Mississippi State. State yeah. He was a Mississippi State 90% lock crystal ball and Vanderbilt flipped yes. him. So just continuing to see that team. Billy, we, you know, you, you listen to me talk about the recruits. I always look at the offer list and who else is pursuing them a lot more mm-hmm. than I look at what their rating is because, you know, if a high-level program is putting their money where their mouth is with a scholarship and really putting – uh, a lot of resources towards that guy. That's a lot more valuable to me uh, than seeing he's ranked higher by some dude that makes $48,000 a year to rank guys for 24-7. <laughs> yeah, guys, the- I think that's why getting Dericky right back last mm-hmm. year 
out of the portal was huge. Yeah, Ricky Wright. I know you didn't see it this year. I think you saw flashes, but particularly because he wasn't in his true position. And he's, I think he's a little bit big to be playing that star anchor. So like whenever he drops in coverage, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, he did, he did show a lot of flash though in that position, but I think it like it, whenever they do move him back to like a true linebacker, you're going to be like, Oh dear. He God, likes to like, hit. He likes this contact. Guy can, this guy can play ball guys. There's a right? lot of that. There's a lot of guys that yeah. were playing out of position. They're going to, that are going to be back into position next year. Jalen Mahoney's going to be Jalen Mahoney's going to yes. be playing nickel again. Uh, Dericky Wright, like you said, you know, he's more of a tweener type guy, but there's going to be guys that are going to be settled into the position they're supposed to play because the depth was not there this year. Now, you started to see a little yeah. bit of depth. Um, I, I think, you know, part of it up front when Davion got back and then, you know, some guys playing better, Christian James, guys like that, that played pretty damn well for, for their size. Yeah. I mean, Nate Clifton, guys, they they got they got more push than I expected. There's still improvements to make there. So you see the development, you see the culture being ingrained. You see the talent evaluation being taken on the practice field and the coaches developing them. You're, you're seeing that sort of process at Vanderbilt unfold in front of us. So yeah, that's, those are the improvements Any more? I mean, there's, there's, there's more improvements obviously than, you know, hey, like, for example, we're settled on the quarterback position. Yes, I like what you said, Will. He still has a lot to prove. He does have a lot to prove. Um, you know, I think special we – Special teams. Yeah, special teams. Hayball, mm-hmm. likely. You know, I, he could come back, but we'll see. He's another guy that if he hears what he wants to hear from NFL guys, he could be gone. Um, uh, let's see, Bolivus will be gone. Uh, you, you've got a freshman coming in there. Do they go to the portal for a kicker? I know they've got Ferris – uh, back there as well, who who uh, you know has kicked the ball pretty well. So we'll see special teams, guys. I mean, it was a hell of a special teams year. I mean, you look at it that that, it that was, was a pretty damn good special teams season. Um, even a guy like Cooper Lutz. I mean, he recovered a couple of fumbles, and Lustig brought him over from Syracuse, and and you know instantly he made an impact. So it's guys like that where I, I'm interested to see what this program does in the portal. So I like how you mentioned that, Will. Special teams. Um, all right, guys, didn't want to go too long. Are we re- are we ready for final grades on this uh, on this season? Anything else? Any other final uh, parting words, Will, Trevor? That's it? Okay. Uh, the quarterback situation. I don't know if we touched on that too much, but ju- just the fact that I think the outside perception may have been it was mismanaged. And I just had not. to give the the one sound off on. I don't think this Vanderbilt team beats Northern Illinois if Mike Wright is the is the quarterback. I also do not think, and I know this was due to injury, so they said, but I also don't think they beat Florida and Kentucky with AJ Swan at quarterback. So I think this was managed about as well as possible in a tough situation where you know who the guy for the future is, but right now he might not be the best guy. But there are certain situations where he does give you the best chance of win- chance to win. That's a hard situation to explain to casual people on the outside. But I do think that Clark Lee and this whole staff did a pretty good job managing the quarterback situation. Yeah, and I don't totally. I don't, and it- I don't like the yeah. If AJ Swan's one hundred percent healthy, maybe you would have liked to see him start the Tennessee game. But I feel like Mike Wright deserved the chance to start. I mean, let's not fool ourselves. He just won you. Two SEC games, yeah, the defense played well, but Mike Wright stepped up, and we we talked about it, guys. So I just – I don't like that. I feel like it's kind of a weak argument saying, yeah, maybe you could have put, put um, you know, 
uh, I said Seals, Swan. You maybe you could have put Swan in earlier, but it wouldn't have made a difference, guys. I mean, let, let's well, not. Well, then you're just ourselves. setting up for a lot of bad storylines of you switched quarterbacks and then right, got exactly badly by Tennessee. That would have happened either way. A PR nightmare. AJ Swan was never going to start. He was fully healthy for the Tennessee game. He played in the game, I believe. There's no way that he would have played if he wasn't fully healthy. This was completely because you have to give Mike Wright the opportunity. Clearly shows, you know, he's not a full-time starting quarterback. We all know that. He just doesn't have the arm. He can be a package guy in the future, especially in the red zone. But yeah. All right, guys, let's get to final grades of the season. And I I had to think about this one, guys, because you know, you look at I forget what I gave last year, Will. It wasn't great. Um, but you know, you start thinking, okay, certainly not an A, probably not a B. You start thinking about the C range. Um, and you know, I wasn't gonna give this team lower, I wasn't gonna give this team a D. Um, but I decided to give this team a I was gonna go C, but I'm gonna go C plus. I'm gonna go C plus with this team because if Vanderbilt wins four games, I'd probably go C. I mean, because you look at it and you say, okay, four wins, it's not, it's hard to call that a success, but you still exceeded expectations. Um, but I go C plus because of the the big step we talked about earlier. Well, we, that 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 step that you didn't necessarily expect if you're a Vandy fan. I mean, you go on the road and beat a ranked Kentucky team. You beat Florida, a team that was superior than you athletically in every way and you beat them at home, yeah, you, you're you not there with a Tennessee and Alabama or a Georgia yet, hence the C. You know, if Vandy competes with those teams, i I probably put them in the B range. But I was debating between C. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I could have – I'm probably leaning more towards C than, than a B, um, but I'm C plus just because of the step, guys. And I think there – you said it, Will, there's hope. You know, they, I think they could have won – four games in a way maybe you say oh that one sec one was a fluke maybe there's not hope you know maybe you're not feeling the same amount of hope you're certainly not if you only win three games um but even if this team wins three games i think there are there would still be vandy fans maybe some of us saying it's gonna take time but at the same time you need I, where they were after that south carolina guys game guys you needed that uh, that that win against Kentucky, you needed the Florida win, um, and so I, I just I, I'm going to go C plus. Um, I wasn't going to give a B. Um, I thought about it, but I said I I can't. Um, but I didn't want to give this team a, a C minus or anything. I didn't. I wanted to give the C plus just because of the positivity that you saw even after that South Carolina loss, man. I mean, the season was. I thought it was dead. A lot of people did, man. And, and so to come back and win two SEC games against. Let's face it, guys. You know, Florida and Kentucky aren't world beaters, but they're going to bowl games, and and they are superior to Vanderbilt athletically in most ways, most areas. So I'm going to go C plus. I'll be interested to see uh, where you guys go. Damn, Billy, that was kind of harsh. I, you know, I I honestly expected an easy at least B from you. So this I, is this is yeah. pretty surprising. But, I, I think uh, I I think I was I was I was more positive than you. I gave out so. I gave out the rubric. I gave out the rubric before the season. Uh, and I don't like to change up my grading standards just because they exceeded my initial expectations by winning two, two SEC games. When this team was sitting at three and six going into the last three games of this year, which were a roller coaster, uh, ending with a 56 to nothing loss to Tennessee, I would have put this team at a C minus if they would have played those games 
you know, relatively competitively lost to Tennessee by, you know, three, four scores would have put this team at a C minus because before this year, uh, we laid out the over under at two and a half wins. Uh, they won the games they were supposed to. And maybe I would add them at a D plus if they ended it ended at three and nine, but they didn't. And they beat Florida and Kentucky and I bumped them up to, in my mind, to B plus. But then they got absolutely destroyed by Tennessee. So I took away the plus. Uh, and the reason I took away the plus in my final grade for this year, 2022 Vanderbilt Commodores is a B, smack dab B. Uh, above my expectations, which would have been a C, which my expectations this year were four wins. Four wins would have been a C or C plus, depending on how on, on how the rest of this year went. But they lost to the two games I had circled uh, to get that fourth win, to get that SEC win for the first time in two seasons. And they lost both those, got blown out by Alabama, Wake Forest, and Georgia and Tennessee absolutely destroyed and blown out. I don't care what the final score of the Wake Forest game. It was not a 45 to 25 game. They were dominated early uh, and they scored some late uh, touchdowns to make it look better. And then they played Ole Miss well for a half and the final score was pretty bad. They had a whole half of football that was awful. So five and a half games this year were terrible. Uh, the other one and a half games uh, that were losses, meh. And then the five games that you watched were a glimpse into what they can do. And you saw more glimpses than I expected this season. And so a B, maybe a little high. I think last year, I think I gave a D or a D minus, maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, I think roles were reversed last year. I was more positive and and you were more negative. But it's not, it's hard to get the bad taste out of of your mouth from the 56 to nothing. But I think in the end, I mean, this was a huge jump from where even before the season, if you would have sold me five and seven going in, I would have not even asked any questions. I would have taken it uh, and moved forward after this football season. If you would have told me five and seven when they were sitting at three and six, I would have grabbed it and ran away laughing all the way because I just absolutely robbed you. So five and seven, get that 56 to nothing, put it in week three or week four, however you need to, like they had the two other horrible losses and remember the feeling you had go being at five and six going into that Tennessee game. And I think that's why it's a B because I never expected to have any sort of expectations going into that Tennessee game. So just having expectations to be absolutely disappointed by uh, was enough to give, to give a B, which sounds sad, but. Yeah, I am. I'm shocked. I thought I was going to be the sunshine pumper and give Vanderbilt the highest grade. And I thought Will would give the lowest. Yeah, me too. Will, you're gonna give the high, you're gonna give the highest grade when I'm you double go... when you double your preseason win expectations. Uh, I mean, you got to give at least an above average grade. I'm just shocked. I'm, you guys. I'm not far behind you. I'm gonna go B minus. I'm gonna, I think I, that's the score I was gonna give. I was close to giving. Yeah. And I might even change well, it. It's good. Great. <laughs> we got the positive and negative range of emotions that Vanderbilt fans are probably feeling right now because I think I bumped back. Yeah. Too. Trevor, why? I'm gonna go. Go ahead. Why? Yes. I'm gonna go B minus because I mean, like I said, like Will said, going to the season, I I would have been okay with four wins. You got an extra win. Um, and then if you just look at the trajectory of this team from the past couple of years, I know Clark wasn't here in 2020, but you go from uh, 0-8 or 0-9 to whatever. You didn't win a ball game to 2-10 to 5-7. and That's a – if you look – yeah, if you look at a graph, I'm not a math guy like Will, but if you look at a graph, that's going up. 
that is that is exponential growth. I think is what it's called. I don't know. Buy stock Yeah, but I mean, if you look at that, I mean, that's progress. And I think, I think there were games to where they really disappointed me. Um, I think the Wake Forest game they disappointed. Obviously, we've hammered it home. The Tennessee game, Mizzou and South Carolina were all disappointments. Um, but I think they were. I think they played above their weight class in the Florida and Kentucky game and won those matchups. And so I think I saw enough flash from this team this year to where even though there were a lot of really bad moments, I saw enough flash to where I was like, oh, like there's like real, real promise where the program is right now. So I'm going to go B minus. I think now I was asking myself, and this might be a question for you guys. I'm going to B minus right now at five and seven. If this team went six and six, what would your grade be? Oh, that's, I think that's I tough go because eight. getting to six it, would mean beating Tennessee. That's right. So yeah. that means so the, the Tennessee game affects it a lot for me, guys. Let's because say, look, it's also the scale because next season five and seven would be a D for me. Like five and D, seven next year yeah, is a disappointment. That's a disappointing season. So yeah. it's all about scale and, and kind of how we were going into the year. I just keep going back to beginning of the year and seeing right. well, saying, I, I think we'll, how I would think, I have felt then five and seven. I think the scale, say, like the scale for me changed in this season. Like we talk about scales yeah. changing after season. I think for me, the scale changed during the season. So that's why like my expectations mm-hmm. after you beat Kentucky is Hell, we can beat Florida. After you beat Florida, the expectation is let's go compete against Tennessee and maybe beat your rival at home with all this momentum. So for me, the scale changed. It shifted. It it it, it raised itself for me. The bar raised in the middle of the season, at least towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So that's why the, the Tennessee game just hurts still because you, you look at it and you say, man, you know, I know I'm not – even if Vandy loses by, you know – a two touchdowns uh, it, I would be speaking a lot differently about the game because you competed I know Tennessee is at mm-hmm. the level of Alabama and Georgia now and that's hard to admit for a lot of any people but that's the harsh reality still right now with this program that you're there with Mizzou Kentucky South Carolina Florida it seems like that but you're still not there with the top of the SEC and, and I mean hell nobody expects Vandy to right now in year two of the Clark Lee build so I just think that Tennessee game affects it a lot for me. Like you asked, if Vandy goes six and six this year, Trevor, hell, I might be mm-hmm. in the A range. <laughs> I mean, I they still get drubbed by Tennessee, but that sixth win was against Mizzou. Because I still that's think a little bit different. A. That's still a little bit different I think because I'm still an A. I mean, do, I, I would have if you told me this team, like if you, in this hypothetical fantasy land of going to a bowl game, that was so beyond my thought process of even perceived possibilities going into this season i did not see a path on that schedule to winning six games at all Mm -hmm. i saw a small path to winning five games now they didn't win the games i would have seen the path on but six games i mean that would have seemed like a pipe dream before this Mm -hmm. season and two seasons ago when clark lee took this job to say in year two you'd be having the discussion going into the tennessee game that win this and you're into a bowl that almost would have seemed like a pipe dream after that. I just, I think it's easy to quickly forget the state mm-hmm. and embarrassment that this program was at when Derek Mason left. 
Ed Clark Lee was brought in. Yeah, I mean, this that they were truly the worst big the worst program in all of FBS football, and not even close the biggest laughing stock in all of FBS football. Literally, they were so easy to make fun of. It was like they were writing out a script for a bad script for modern Saturday Night Live. They literally had a female kicker and then had to forfeit their last game because they didn't have enough players because players were transferring out, but they said it was because of COVID. Uh, So that is very easy to forget that that wasn't that long ago. And I think that's why I'm probably sounding a little more positive is I vividly, vividly remember that there was zero path to even feeling like there was hope that this program would be competitive anytime soon. And you felt like this program was competitive, not week in, week out, but up and down throughout the season. And by the end, I think people were starting to take notice. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think SEC fans, like I had friends, I had Tennessee fan friends texting me saying, future's bright for you guys. Like they, they see it. I think Vandy fans should see it. Um, if if you if you still don't, I don't know what you're watching. I've tried to say that. I mean, it's it's there. It's tangible. And uh, so there it is. That Will gives a B plus. Trevor B minus. No B. I'm a C. B. Not a B. Oh B. Plus. Okay B. <laughs> I said I had a B plus, and I just said anything. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely destroyed by Tennessee. It would stay. And they got absolutely destroyed. So man, and I, I'm in the C plus range. So um, it, it like I said, guys, a lot of it is the Tennessee game. Just being a Vanderbilt person, you see how bad that was, and it's it's the harsh reality, though. So um, a lot uh, still to talk about, guys. I think in a couple weeks from now, we will be able to to talk more in detail about the portal guys coming in. Uh, you know, signing day, of course, uh, coming up with the new class. Uh, maybe we'll get a few guests in here, long form conversations. So uh, stick with us uh, here on the Doorport. We will we'll have basketball to talk about. Unfortunately, um, Vanderbilt lost to VCU. It, <laughs> Stackhouse got ejected. Uh, he was cussing out the refs. Uh, it's not going well, guys. I mean, I think if you're Candace Lee, you see that footage. I mean, that was awful. Like, that was really bad. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about it. So <laughs> that's why I'm glad the football season ended. You know, well, I say ended, but down the stretch, it ended to it, it kind of uh, ended better than you expected. You know, I mean, we, 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 we saw the season. We saw the two SEC wins, but. Tennessee game, it was just such a downer, but it shouldn't change. It shouldn't change the way Vanderbilt fans perceive this program and where they're at. Um, So I I think I'll try to continue to hammer that. But, guys, that's it for Episode 195 of the Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. It's on to basketball season, sadly.